All right, three games to go and a chance to secure not just an NFC West title, but a playoff berth along the way. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a Week 15 edition of Rams All-Access. I'm J.B. Long with DeMarco Farr and Maurice Jones. Drew, fellas, how you doing? Doing well. Uh, you know, obviously a, a tough one last Sunday. I think it affected everybody. You know, when you have a game like that uh, in hand and you, you can win it and don't, uh, it's always tough, but excited about this next week. I'll, I'll tell you next Thursday. <laughs> That's how I feel right now. Yeah, let's see how Seattle goes first. All right, reflections on that Philadelphia loss. What has stuck with you through part of a week now in terms of the opportunity that the Rams could not seize against the Eagles? Probably the same thing you guys are thinking about. Um, personal fouls. Leverage plays, fourth down penalties. Um, you had an opportunity to beat Philadelphia in the Coliseum. And I don't want to say you let one get away because Philadelphia is a good football team. But you were. had an opportunity, and it's a missed opportunity. They were a good football team. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, let, boy. Let's, let's, I mean, that defense it. especially. Yeah. yeah. I, well, listen, the, the one thing I can say about uh, what Coach McVay did, they found Waldo in that situation. And it was uh, my man with the green hair, um, Mills. And Watkins, and you went away from Ronald Darby, and you found two corners that you could really expose with route runners in different routes. And then in that situation, well, I think what's more, most frustrating to me is that you could have been in a three-way tie for first, and everything in front of you because now Aaron Rodgers is back, and guess who they play? The Minnesota Vikings, uh, and, or they play the Carolina Panthers, and they have to play the Vikings again. You know, so a mm-hmm. lot of things could have turned if you'd have just took care of business in that situation, but. You know, those things can still turn. You just have to uh, take care of what's ahead of you, and you got to win the NFC West first. You're looking at me. I don't have any answers. No, <laughs> no it, it is what it is. I mean, look, um, this is a good football team going up to Seattle. I mean, usually we used to get nervous or scared or just worried about going up to Seattle. Not so, because maybe Seattle has come back to earth a little bit. Um, the Legion of Boom is not what it used to be, and this Rams team can score points against just about anybody. So th- there's a lot of confidence leaving L.A., going up to Seattle. But uh, like Sean McVay says, week in and week out, uh, after a loss, or not week in and week out after a loss, but after a loss, you can't let the same team beat you twice. So that that that's a message for all, uh, players, coaches, and fans alike. Um, you have to let Philadelphia go and move on to, to what Seattle's doing. And if you go back and watch them versus Jacksonville, I mean – Look, Russell Wilson is making a hell of a case for MVP, even no if question. he's making mistakes. Uh, the Coming off a three-interception game. Yeah, the things he's doing is, is just unbelievable. Uh, without him, that offense is nowhere, which means that team is nowhere. So there's still a lot left to play for for this, for this football team, but it's not going to be easy where you're going. Spent a lot of time on the Seattle rematch. We will also have four-down territory, and we'll check in with someone who covers the Seahawks to get their state of mind as they come back from that loss in Jacksonville. We're going to dig into the play calling and Todd Gurley's touch as we have Sean McVay and his mea culpa on that topic. But let's start by just setting up the playoff picture. What's at stake here? There is a clinching scenario this week for the Rams uh, for the postseason, albeit it's a long shot. They have to beat Seattle. They need a Lions loss or tie, a Packers loss or tie, a Saints loss, and a Falcons loss. So that's a long to-do list. But I think more pressing, more immediate is with a win over Seattle this weekend, they would only have to win one out of their two remaining games to be putting on hats and T-shirts as NFC West champions. I think that's the most important thing right now. Uh, The playoffs are going to come. You know, that's kind of just part of the deal. But for the Rams, even with the loss on Sunday, you would not have a playoff concern. Not really. I mean, you beat the Saints. You have the tiebreaker over the Saints, and that, and that that's huge. And so that kind of then you'll be battling for position there. But um, 
I think you go into Seattle knowing that the last time you played, you you moved the ball up and down the field on them when they had all all their guys, their defense was flying around, um, and you had a costly turnover. So now take care of the football, and, and then focus on you know doing the little things right um, from all in all aspects. If you're in the on the defense, making sure you keep Russell Wilson in the pocket, did a re- really good job of doing that to Carson Wentz, keeping him in the pocket, making him throw for the pocket. Um, and, and then stopping the run early and force them to be one-dimensional. And then, again, Russell Wilson will throw you the ball. As good as he's been, he'll throw you the ball. That's what he's done in his career. I mean, he's made some really good plays for the most part, and then there's some that you were like, whoa, what, what are you doing? So uh, capitalize on those on those turnovers. Score. Score on defense when the yeah. ball is in your hands. And then, uh, as I look at DeMarco, but then uh, – <laughs> But then I think, again, offensively, just continue to do what you were doing because you know how to attack this defense. I think winning out is actually kind of huge. Yeah. I, I think it might even be paramount, and here's why. One, because I don't think the goals that you talked about with losing to Philly are necessarily off the table yet. If they've got to win three more potentially with Nick Foles and they've already got their division in hand, so how does that impact right. all, all that's going on in Philadelphia? Um, Minnesota, like you said, still has some work to do uh, in the north there. But also, the, the other reason why I think it's pressing and urgent for the Rams to think about going 3-0 and in, in the final stretch is because look who's potentially sitting in wildcard range. And Aaron Rodgers coming back to the Packers this week <laughs> drove this home to me. Wow. Because, I, I mean, I actually this morning did a little bit of research in terms of the, the quarterbacks 1, 2, and 3 right now in the NFC standings. Zero playoff wins, of course, zero Super Bowl rings, only one Pro Bowl. That would be Foles in his, in his good season with the Eagles. The quarterbacks of the teams currently seeded four through 10, 29 playoff wins, three rings, 28 Pro Bowls. Yeah. So if you don't prioritize not only winning the division, but finding a way to get some home field, whether it's a wild card, whether it's a buy, whatever, you are running the risk of going to Green Bay or Atlanta or New Orleans or Minnesota at some point along the way. And your task just got monumentally more difficult when you can play the game on that level. I mean, you're a special football team. Optimum playoff positioning is what you're talking about. And I'm with you. Um, But when you talk about the guys that are behind you, I think of the great Satchel Paige and the saying that he came up with. Never look back because they could be gaining. If that's not true right now, I don't know what is. So absolutely take care of your own business. And and like you said, going three and oh, to finish out. I mean, to set yourself up for a long playoff run, I mean, that's the pipe dream because you have to go through Seattle to get it. Once you get through there, if you come out of there successful with a W, then I'm with you. But first, take care of those Seahawks. Take care of Russell Wilson. Well, let me say this. People really think playoff football starts in January. It doesn't. It starts in December. The great teams, they go undefeated in December for the most Mm -hmm. part when you look at them. I mean, the Seattles of the past and the New England Patriots and these teams that are consistent, the Denver Broncos. Uh, when they won the Super Bowl, their defense—I want to say they went—they made a, they might have lost one early in the uh, in December, and they went on a run, and because right. and it, that's momentum and it pushes you throughout the playoffs. You don't ever want to limp into the playoffs or back into it because that's that's not going to happen. And so, well, I would have taken it any year, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, well, well, right. you were talking about Aaron Rodgers. Let, yeah, yeah. let me say this before we go: uh, Aaron Rodgers, the year they won the Super Bowl, they got hot in December and they made mm-hmm. a run. And remember, they went to Philly. They beat Philly. They went to Atlanta. He did it again last year when he told yeah. them all to relax. I mean, they go on Spelled these runs. He might do it again this year now that he's back. Listen, they go on these runs, and it starts in December. And that's the that's the crucial thing. That's the thing I think uh, we want our fans to understand. That's why it's imperative to win at home now. That's imperative to win as many games as you can. Because if you can start winning now, it'll carry on to the playoffs, and it's something you're accustomed to. Another thing that characterizes December and January football, 
running it effectively. And that's a topic we're going to hit next. Uh, Maurice Jones-Drew has some thoughts about the play calling and getting Todd Gurley his touches. But let's hear from Coach McVay to set up this Week 15 contest on the road in Seattle before we go our first break here on Rams All Access. The game, the atmosphere, uh, you know, what's at stake and what the possible rewards are if we're able to uh, go get that thing done. And then, then the next game becomes that much more meaningful. So, you, like you said, the, 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 uh, the game is what motivates these mm-hmm. guys, and, and they all play for, for the right types of reasons. And it's about our team, and it's about playing for your brothers, and, and uh, we can't wait to go do it together. Up next is McVeigh to pass happy, and will he adjust his ways, especially in late-game scenarios? We'll get his thoughts, DeMarco and MJD as well. Plus, still to come, four-down territory, a trip inside Seahawks territory, and inside the numbers to get you all set for this rematch with the Seahawks. That's when Rams All Access continues on ESPN LA. First part of that goal is, is to try to get to number 10. And uh, if we're able to get to 10-4, and four, what that means is we've got a two-game lead in the division with two left. And, um, you know, all, all we're focused on right now is finding a way to – to respond the right way, and that's getting ready for a great Seattle team. They've got a lot to play for as well, so you know Coach Carroll is saying the same things, but we can't wait for the opportunity to go to their place and try to put together a complete game and see if we can come away with a win against a, a team that has, you know, really for the most part controlled this division for the last handful of years. Rams head coach Sean McVay previewing the rematch with Seattle. Welcome back to Rams All Access to Marco Farr. Maurice Jones-Drew and J.B. Long. In the first three quarters of this 2017 campaign, the Rams went 3-1. and one. They lose to start the fourth quarter. That would mean, to keep that pattern going, they would need to bounce back with three straight victories heading into the postseason. We'll see if they can do it starting on the road in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, but to do it at this time of year, MJD, I know you have thoughts on recommitting to the running game because that's what defines winning football in December. Well, I think, again, when you get into December, you want to shorten the game. And uh, watching the Sunday game and, and seeing the stats of having 80, what was it, 84 plays for the defense. 85, yeah, they 85 plays. two games on defense. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a lot. And, and especially to ask a defense who's, who's been banged up a little bit. You're asking certain players to cover guys all over the field. You're asking Aaron Donald and – Robert Quinn and, and Alec Ogletree, especially coming off an injury to play those type of snaps. I mean, that's tough to do, uh, especially when you have Todd averaging what he was averaging on Sunday, which was seven yards a carry at one And point. over eight yards a touch when right. he mixed in his catches, too. Um, I, I think, you know, it kind of gets uh, a little skewed when you say touch because that means you could throw him the ball and those type of things. When you get to December football, it's all about running the ball. And you find ways to get explosive runs. You And the reason you want to run the ball because the clock moves and you wear down a defense. Now that you know they're flying all around, they're running all around, uh, I feel like Coach McVay late in the game kind of got away from that a little bit. And, you know, they end up biting him in, in the back end, uh, especially with losing, you know, you lose Rob Havenstein, you lose uh, Andrew Whitworth. You had to come back and, and really commit to running the ball. Those drives that they did commit, they were able to go up and down the field doing that. Uh, we saw the last, and again, I always go to the last time you played Seattle, you ran the ball and you were able to go up and down the field in those guys. And so in that situation, you got to continue that eke out, for, eke out first downs, go on those long 15, 17 play drives, wear down the other defense and keep your defense fresh. And then when you're able to do that, uh, it, you know, the game is you're going to kind of put the pressure on the other side of the ball and you're giving the ball to your best player on offense at the end of the day, too. So I, I just think, you know, the Rams, they need to recommit themselves to the running game. And, and I'm not saying force feed Todd Gurley, but make sure that he gets 30, 
30 carries in a game. Rams, unde- Rams yeah. undefeated when he gets 20 or more touches, two and four when he does not. Now, part of that is kind of backed out from game circumstances. Right. But there have also been games that the Rams have won where Todd Gurley has taken the fourth quarter off effectively. True. So, And if Chris uh, Long doesn't turn into Superman. Well, so let's would, talk about that play I, I don't think that was Superman, though. I mean, he beat uh, Donnell, right? No, I'm, I'm just talking flying through the air and getting that strip. I mean, that's, right. that's a hell of a play. I would bet that Todd gets a few carries on that drive. But that comes at a time when you have first down. Yeah. With the football, with the lead, knowing that Nick Foles is the quarterback the rest of the way for the Eagles, and that you've just lost your right tackle, Rob Havenstein. And so Daryl Williams, right. for the second time during Week 14, first at yeah. left tackle, then at right tackle, has to come in and pinch hit off the bench, and you run play action. Right, and you know what I would say. Sure, you might not want to put your quarterback in that situation, but I would also say your quarterback needs to understand who's out there. Uh, who's blocking for you and who's, who's he trying to block, and you might want to climb the pocket, pocket just a little bit yep. to free yourself. I mean, that's that's just a player thing. But uh, going back to the defense playing 85 snaps, I mean, how many penalties did they have that gave them first downs? That's got nothing to do with running the but, football. But it does, offense. it does, because yeah. remember, the offense had... Over 100 uh, yards of penalties. That's what it, right. No, that was yeah. a lot, but they had a, a lot of three and outs where they were strictly passing yeah. series. And so what I'm saying is, all I'm saying, DeMarco, and I, and I understand exactly what you're uh, what you're going to situation of football becomes key i mean yeah it is huge in december and and, and the situation of football is not first and second down it's not it's situation of football is guess who's on their side and who's their quarterback right like that's where the situation of football comes in and then that should just change everything that you're doing and you have to have someone there that's able to remind coach mcveigh of that because when you're a play caller you're in you're you're in the game, right? You need someone that's outside the game looking True. at the bigger picture. And you're evaluating what's the best play to right. get yardage or points against this look. Yes. And whether or not the game time and score and situation and all those other factors, who's at right tackle, who the opposing quarterback exactly. is going to be, can get lost in a 40-second play clock. No or, question. But the, the thing that makes me twist my face a little bit is when um, they said that they were surprised by Chris Long making the play. That's the former second pick of a draft. Who said that? I just like wow! I can't believe Chris Long made a play like that. Or wow. your backup tackle got beat by a backup defensive end. Wait a minute! That guy was drafted number two in the league. He just won the Super Bowl. The, the, the guy can play, so give him credit. But it, it's it's more than coaching that goes on. I mean, Sean McVay can only do so much for you as a player. I mean, as an athlete, when you're out there, if you got a helmet on, you have to understand what you're dealing with. Who's out there and who's blocking for you, and it might change the play. No matter what comes off the sideline, right. you might have to adjust on the fly. So that that can't be something you expect your head coach to correct or understand. What? It, you are playing the game, not him. And that's why I said I don't I don't think it's uh, Coach McVay that we we should blame or anyone that we should blame. I think this is a learning a learning lesson to say you know what we need to have someone else who's outside of all this, who's looking at the situations right on the sideline. I don't know what kind of coach you'd call it. But a situational coach was like, all right, look, they got Nick Foles. If we run the ball three times and we punt it and they're and they, we down them on the 10. With the best we down them on the 20. Yeah, whatever. Let's say we down them. It goes in the end zone. They're on the 20. He has to go 80 yards. Or in that case, he had to go 40 field yards range. to get in the field goal mm-hmm. range and kick a field goal. Like, I would rather take my chances in that situation with Nick Foles being the quarterback and us putting pressure on him than to give them the ball in field goal range, and obviously you had a couple penalties that wasted more time off the clock. As always, post-game Sunday and into Monday, no lack of accountability from the head coach's microphone. you got to make sure that you're cognizant of giving the runs a chance and, and trying to stay balanced, and that's something that 
uh, I haven't done. You can't, can't can't keep standing up here and saying the same things. You just got to get it fixed. And and that's something that you know every single game provides an opportunity to learn from. You'll hear us say it all the time about our players, and, and we expect the same thing as coaches. And you know this year there's been a handful of things that that you try to learn from, and, and this is something that that I've got to do and, and and stop saying it and just get it done. So that was in front of the media on Monday. <laughs> Later that night on the coaches show, I basically gave uh, coach an opportunity at a, a Tosh Pointo uh, web redemption. I said if you could run that play back what would you call differently and and demarco you can attest to this mm-hmm. he he didn't back away from his play call necessarily he, and he, he shouldn't he didn't he didn't say he didn't <laughs> yeah. say yeah in hindsight we should have run todd Gurley up the middle he didn't on in the, in the grand scheme of things is he looking for more balance is he saying yeah that's on me yes but on that play yeah not as much well remember go back to new york when he throws a screen on third and 33 and it hits the end zone now, right. when you threw it, what are you doing? Wow, you're going sideways on a third and 33? Bam, touchdown, great call. You see what I'm saying? Like, if, if you don't get sacked, if you don't get stripped, even if Chris Long makes the play and just disrupts it or sacks you, mm-hmm. you live to fight another down. What happened, the result was the worst possible scenario that could have happened in that moment, and it makes everything just magnified. And he had a really interesting comment about not being results-driven. He thinks about plays that succeeded as critically as he does ones that failed. I mean, they've got away with some plays, whether it's that screenplay or another, where maybe in hindsight, based on film study, he should have called something different. Those are the ones that bug him more than the ones that... (laughs) He knew what he called was correct. What they got into was the best play, and it just didn't work. Well, like I, I think he talked about balance, and and I got a chance to talk to a bunch of coaches uh, over the last couple of days about the balance. Uh, what is balanced football in, in December? See, in September, the balanced football is like 60, 60, 40 pass to run. Right, you're throwing a little bit more. You're just letting it Assuming wing. It's nice. Your quarterback. Yeah, right. You yeah. try right. October it goes down to fifty five, forty five, and then it starts to sway. Mm-hmm. And so when you get into December and January football, if you look at Pittsburgh Steelers and what they're doing with Le'Veon Bell, he wasn't touching the ball at all when he first got back. All of a sudden now, they're I mean, he's 30 touches, 35 touches. You look at New England. Mm-hmm. They're running the ball with three or four dudes. I mean, we talked about Philly. Everyone's starting to run the ball, and the, and it starts to turn a little bit to where it's the, it's, it really goes to like 55, 45, 60, 40, run the pass. And that becomes balanced because, again, it's all about keeping the clock in your favor and putting the pressure on the other side. That's of the why ball. Sunday is going to be fascinating because, barring any setbacks, the Rams are going to have their same five offensive linemen. Dinged up, maybe, yes. They have their line intact. They have Todd Gurley. Seattle's leading rusher is their quarterback, right. and their offensive line continues to be a grease fire. So, if that is how Sunday is going to go, advantage Rams if they're willing to as we said commit to it I just had the same discussion what who which defense has the advantage on Sunday and I said the Rams because their system and the Legion of Boom is not the Legion of Boom we know this right but the same thing could be said for Seattle but for a completely different reason you can't get Russell Wilson on the ground right you got to get him on the ground yeah he extends plays he just makes it a nightmare for you when you've got them all set up I've seen Seattle go First play zero, second play zero, it's third and a mile, and he picks it up with his legs. And you start again, Mm -hmm. and eventually he cracks you. So uh, it's going to be tough. But, yeah, I I would pick the the Rams would have the more advantages to their favor facing their defense with a full complement of players with Robert Woods coming back versus what Seattle has. But it's almost even because of Wilson. It's crazy. Let's talk about the return of Robert Woods and Connor Barwin and the loss of Kayvon Webster in our next segment. More on the Seahawks still to come in four-down territory, and we'll go inside the numbers before we're done on this edition of Rams All Access.
We invite you to see more and sit closer with Vivid Seats, an official partner of the Los Angeles Rams. Visit vividseats.com backslash Rams today to reserve your official ticket, travel, and VIP tailgate package to the next game. Back on Rams All Access with DeMarco Farr and Maurice Jones-Drew. I'm J.B. Long. Uh, let's get this week's uh, ESPN Los Angeles Rams All Access poll question in. Uh, I asked on social media, who has the tougher remaining schedule in the race for the NFC West, Seattle or Los Angeles? The Seahawks, of course, host L.A. Then they go to Dallas with Ezekiel Elliott returning and the Cowboys hoping to get a wild card. Uh, and then Arizona at home in Seattle to finish the year. As we know, the Rams are in Seattle, at Tennessee, home to San Francisco. Mm. So Seattle's SOS, me- measured by wins loss, the- their remaining opponents have a mark of 22-17. and 17. The Rams with nine, big part of that. The Rams have a remaining strength of schedule, 19 wins, 20 losses. 409 votes as it stands currently, 50-50. No, really? There's no way. Wow. Right down the middle. And let me tell you, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. 51-49. Okay, I'll say this. I'm going to say Seattle won because... Tougher schedule for the Seahawks. Tougher schedule. Uh, Dallas is is playing well without Zeke right now. So when they get Zeke, imagine what that's going to be able to do. You've lost all your secondary. Um, Their last game is, I want to say, Arizona, right? Home to Arizona. Arizona is no they're playing well too. Now mind you Arizona beat up on uh mm. Tennessee and Tennessee hasn't been playing well the last month and a half and they they have to go they had to stay out west and go up to San Fran. So this is going to be a tough game. Yeah. Um it's hard. I mean, looking through the Rams lens, every one of them is going to be tough because of your injury report. You know, I mean your tackles are, have both been winged. Uh, you're going to be down one corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, your middle linebacker is still trying to play throughout or play through that injury. So, you know, every game is going to be tough. Uh, Zeke Elliott coming back that changes a lot for me. Um, maybe you might feel differently about San Francisco because of Garoppolo, but it is what it is. I mean, they're they're all tough. I'm right with them. I, I think it's six and one half dozen in the other. And the truth be told, it doesn't matter because the one on Sunday matters. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and in all likelihood, will dictate who sits yeah. atop the division. Uh, let's get into the loss of Kayvon Webster. Happened on a non-contact play early in Sunday's loss to the Eagles. And the Rams attacked it by committee and will probably continue to do so. Isaiah Johnson promoted from the practice squad this week to add a little bit of depth. Uh, no move from the outside just yet. Uh, can they get it done? Can can Nikel Roby Coleman play opposite Tremaine Johnson and get it done through December and maybe into the playoffs. I mean, he's he's done it before. I feel like I feel I've seen him play outside beforehand. He's had interceptions. Had a great game against Philly. Yeah, I, I think he'll be fine. I, I think again, you know, you you're worried about Troy Hill coming in and having to be play that outside guy as Roby Coleman moves to the inside or whoever they match More him Blake up. Blake Count is Blake Count. Yeah, I mean, Lamarcus is in a different right, spot. Like yeah. it just so it's going to be a lot of little different things that they have to they have to those other guys are going to have to be ready to go. Uh, I feel like Kayvon, though, the way he, he was used to playing man-to-man so much in Denver that it was it was comfortable for him to be out there. Mm-hmm. These other guys are still understanding it. And we, we saw that uh, throughout the course of the season, how it took Tremaine a couple games to get used to, look, we're going to be playing man a lot. Uh, and then some of these guys are coming off the bench. They're going to have to be playing man a ton, too. So uh, you know, them hamstrings and growings, yeah. all that is going to have to be ready to go. If I'm not mistaken, Isaiah Johnson is a safety, correct? He's yeah. I mean, he played safety in training camp, played safety in preseason. So I'm assuming that's your Lamarcus. Gonna, that's going to be yeah. your direct replacement yeah. for a Cody Davis, so you can move Lamarcus Joyner right. around in different situations. That's what I would do. I mean, your best free safety is Lamarcus. 
your second best or right on par with your best slot defender is LaMarcus Joyner. So if you right. can get another safety in in those situations just to keep two on the roof and let those other three guys go man, I still think you're okay without Kayvon Webster. Flipping sides of the football, the news uh, a little bit better, the return of Robert Woods. Uh, this receiving core, I think, has done admirably in his absence. Uh, went down with the shoulder in Minnesota. I'm not going to say they, they haven't noticed his absence. There was one play in particular where Josh Reynolds ran a third down play shy of the sticks that reminded all of us of what the veteran presence of Robert Woods means to that receiving core. But all told, they've been able to move the ball through the air without Robert Woods. Now they bring him back into the fold. How much of an impact on Sunday and beyond? Huge. <laughs> Monstrous. You know, I think he's directly connected to your screen game. I know it's funny. Uh, when he's on the field, there's so much attention paid to him because of his route running and his ability to catch and move the chains, like you said. Wherever he goes, he's going to draw eyes. Kind of like Tavon Austin, but for a different reason. So when you get Robert Woods running routes, you're going to have to honor that, which mm-hmm. means you have a chance to screen underneath. You're going to get people to run with him. Um, so I think he is so important to this offense that you can't even measure. Without a Cam Chancellor, without yeah. a Richard Sermon this time around, if he's your number one or your number two, whatever number right. he is in your receiving core, someone's going to have the opportunity to do damage against a lesser defensive back. Well, I think the other thing is that we have to remember is these guys got countless reps, countless reps mm-hmm. to, to practice with Jared Goff. They got countless reps in the games, going against different coverage, playing different things. Josh Reynolds gets some playing time. Cooper Cup starts playing outside. He's playing a more so. And all of a sudden, now you put Robert Woods back in, you slide these guys back down. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, it's a whole new ball game because now they're going back to something they're comfortable with and they're used to playing. And so those reps are going to come back too. And I think the biggest thing was Sammy Watkins, seeing the way that you know at first it was like him and Jared were always on the wrong page. <laughs> it was just like, what is going on? Y'all not even the same in the same library at the time. But to see them get on the right page, mm-hmm. to see them do some things that are really working out, um, that's going to help out in the long run. Right? No and so now you're going to add Robert Woods, who he's really comfortable with, always has been, and still be his teddy, his teddy bear, his blanket. His whoopee. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I mean, it's going to be great. For Sam, a touchdown reception in five of the last six games, to your point, let's tie it back into our previous segment, which was the running game. I think that's where Robert Woods' impact is also oh. felt. If you're going to try and run – 25 times a game, let's just say, in Seattle, he competes on the perimeter as a blocker as much as any receiver in football. And I think that's been contagious because Sammy's become, and he's a good blocker, but he's become a committed blocker even when he's not getting his touches. Cooper Cup, an underrated blocker. You see Josh Reynolds crack down on a Todd Gurley touchdown run last week. Clearly it's being preached and it's being bought into in in that room. Anytime receivers block, I think I said it uh, before the thing, like Torrey Holt never blocked. He wasn't a blocker. Oh, he blocked. Come on. <laughs> I saw him. He blocked. DeMarco. Torrey Holt. Maybe the Torrey, Torrey, maybe the Torrey Holt, you had. I had Torrey, a rookie Torrey. Listen, the he Torrey blocked. Holt, I know. No, the Torrey Holt I know did the screen. He did the basketball screen. Like, he'd get in the way and just stand there. And that's cool. Like, as a runner, wow. I, just need to, I just need to know that. But to yeah. see Robert Woods trying to finish guys and creating space and moving guys that you're seeing everyone else, it makes a running game that much better. And then at the end of the day, guess what? When you want to do a play-action pass, yeah. then you can beat them because they don't know what is going, not what's going to happen. And we saw that on the route that Cooper Cup ran when they did the fake uh, – yeah. they did the rollout and he kind of went back outside and Jared threw the ball to him. So, yeah. uh, you know. Cooper he, Cup's catch and carry up the sideline, I, I think that's the last time you're going to hear about his hue ever again. The guy can just play. He's a receiver, period. That's he, an inside joke between yes. between our audience and the three of us because uh, right away, early in <laughs> Cup's career, uh, his pigment was often hey, man, a, a, a point of 
a point just, of expectation. You don't see that. You don't see that every day. You don't, <laughs> you don't see that every day, man. You know the kid Adam Thielen. That's two. That's two. <laughs> How many other ones out there? We gonna start naming? Wow. I mean, there's two. I'm just being honest. That's what I'm here for. Uh, obviously, taking care of the football will be an utmost priority in this contest. Yes. Uh, Russell Wilson threw three picks last week. The Rams turned it over five times against mm-hmm. the Seahawks and missed a field goal in the home loss to Seattle. Um, but kind of doubling back to a commitment to the running game, I wonder if the weather, where it's supposed to be cold and wet, uh, might have an impact on the play-calling selection, even though Coach McVay uh, is fully confident in Jared Goff's ability to throw a wet football here, that is. He handles a wet ball really well, and uh, you always still want to be mindful of you know how that you know affects some of the types mm-hmm. of plays that you would want to run and, and maybe some of your play selection, but uh, certainly Jared is a guy that hasn't had trouble, whether it be the wind, uh, which we you know experienced a little bit last week, a wet ball. Uh, he can handle and, and operate with the elements, and, and that's what you want your quarterback to be able to do yeah cup who's from there and, and, yeah and the other two receivers are played in buffalo well and then and yeah. then they played they played in new york earlier this yeah. year so i'm not too much worried and then the other thing i mean yeah london and new york both cold and wet conditions uh, uh the other thing um that i was just going to touch on and i'm drawing a blank oh it's crowd noise i mean oh yeah as, yes. as, as much late play clock work as oh. mcveigh and goff do um might there be a tendency to just stick with a, a, a running play and try and get results against a loaded box if you know that the 12th man is there waiting for you late in the playcock that could create some havoc well i think go back to minnesota right where you had everyone running Mm -hmm. in like you're gonna have to go in there with two play calls and be like alert alert you have to see more alerts or kills or whatever they they use now um other than like you know all right we're gonna give you three plays and you got to pick the right one you're not gonna be able to do that every time so you're gonna have to kind of narrow down the because it's, it's i mean i remember playing in that thing it gets crazy. Like, you can't hear the quarterback. You're just trying to read his lips of him yelling it to you. Yeah. And it doesn't work. There, There is no system where you can get around that noise. The only way to get around that noise is to shut them up. No question. Is to pick up first down, stay on the field, and score points. That's the only way to take the 12th man away. You can't get around it. Both of these defenses played very physical, demanding games, and Seattle flew all the way back from Jacksonville after losing theirs with an injured Bobby Wagner who re-aggravated a hamstring with K.J. Wright, fellow linebacker in the concussion protocol. Those are a couple of things we're going to talk to Brady Henderson about next in four-down territory. He covers the Seahawks for ESPN and ESPN.com, and we'll pick up the conversation there. Still to come, uh, more from Sean McVay, and we will go inside the numbers as Rams All Access continues. It's a Week 15 edition here on ESPN LA 710. All right, time for four-down territory. It's our weekly trip inside opponent's territory, and it's great to catch up with Brady Henderson, who covers the Hawks for ESPN and ESPN.com. Curious, uh, right off the bat, kind of what's the temperature up there in Seattle, not in terms of what's the weather like outside, but in terms of their view on the state of the NFC West. Is there a feeling in the Pacific Northwest that the Seahawks, despite being a game back, someone have the Rams right where they want them? I don't know if they feel like they have them right where they want them just because the Seahawks are, are you know dealing with some pretty significant injury situations right now, but they definitely realize sort of the situation this week. And Russell Wilson was reminding his teammates of that in the locker room after they lost in, in pretty disappointing fashion to the Jaguars last week. 
He was telling everybody that they're going to be playing for first place next week because the Rams lost as well. So they, they realize what's at stake. And I think that if you ask them in an honest moment, they would tell you that they realize that their margin for error is, has been reduced quite a bit. And this is a game that they probably need to win in order to have any realistic shot at winning the NFC West. You reference those injuries. The ones in the linebacking court really stand out. Bobby Wagner left last week's game with a hamstring. K.J. Wright, a concussion. Granted, it's early in the week, but what's your projection for the linebackers on Sunday? Yeah, Pete Carroll said earlier in the week that, that he thought Wright was making good progress. Of course, that was only a day after he suffered a concussion, so you know he's going to be in the protocol. So that one's going to be up in the air. Wagner, the same thing. It's going to be a tough situation to read with Wagner just because he re-injured a hamstring that's been bothering him for a while, and it's been bothering him to the point that he hasn't really practiced a whole lot in recent weeks, so we're not going to learn a whole lot about his status based on the practice report. I wouldn't expect him to practice this week. That is probably, you know, next to Earl Thomas, maybe the last player that Seattle's defense can afford to lose, having already lost Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, not to mention Cliff Averill. Um, so, so the Wagner situation, and also Wright, especially, uh, you know, those two linebackers, not having those guys against the Rams offense, that would be a significant blow to not have either one of those players. We're talking with Brady Henderson on Four Down Territory. He covers the Seahawks and previewing this contest upcoming in Seattle. So let's talk about the pass rush for Seattle, which went absence absent in Jacksonville, and it's, I know it's something that you're writing about and focusing on this week, Brady. Yeah, no sacks uh, against Blake Borles and only one official quarterback hit, and Pete Carroll, when asked about that, first thing he said was disappointing because they thought that they could rush the passer better than they have, and their pass rush has kind of been hot and cold uh, for much of this season, and it was sort of heated up in the second half of that first meeting against the Rams earlier this season. Two of the five takeaways that the Seahawks had in that game were the direct result of pressure on Jared Goff. It's going to need to be a lot better than it was last week if the Seahawks are going to have a chance uh, against that Rams offense, especially if they're going to be without Wright and or Wagner on Sunday. Last question, and of course it is about Russell Wilson. Can he carry this team to the finish line and maintain control of their NFC West crown? Well, he's been doing it uh, really for the whole season, and he's going to have to keep doing it. And, and just, that you know, there's a ton of numbers we could throw out to put into perspective how much he's been carrying the Seahawks offense. I'll give you one of them. Jeff has scored 33 offensive touchdowns this season. He's thrown or rushed for all but one of those touchdowns. Uh, Wilson's been doing it all season. Um, I think it's going to have to be again on Russell Wilson's shoulders, just like it has been all season. Uh, depending on how you define MVP, I think there's a strong case to be made for Wilson. Brady, we appreciate you joining us uh, for the second time this season, and we will see you on Sunday. You got it. All right, so let's pick it up right there with Russell Wilson, and it does feel, in some regards, like one against 11 this week and this year. I think Russell Wilson, the, the biggest thing is is they've taken it uh, for granted his ability to create. You know, a quarterback, the, the a lot of people think like a, a wide receiver is a quarterback's best friend. It's his offensive line. You know, to keep him upright. And, and Russell Wilson, what he's been able to do, uh, running around, finding guys, getting open, um, you know, some of the things he's been able to play without a running game, uh, all those different things. Uh, he's literally been, I want to say, 82% of the offense. Right? Like that, that, that's crazy. And, and so um, you would, it would be scary to see what it's like. Well, we've seen it when he had Marshawn Lynch and they had a decent offensive line. They were able to win Super Bowls were some way around – uh, they forgot to do that, or they, they didn't do it. And, and so I think for uh, the Rams, the biggest issue is they have to contain this dude. You have to keep him in that the pocket. That familiar. Yeah. Right? You got to keep him in the pocket, and you have to make him throw through the trees. And what I mean by throw through the trees is put your hands and make him throw down the field over your hands and try to bat all his balls down. I mean, that's the only way I, I could see uh, uh, the Seahawks like finding you know hope offensively is if he's running around throwing the ball outside the pocket.
Here's another one for you. What's what's going on with Blair Walsh? I mean, if this game comes down to crunch time and a potential yeah. game-winning field goal, he pushed a 38-yarder wide right last week. He's missed six in his last six games. How much confidence does Pete Carroll have in his place kicker in a game that could be decided by a place kicker? What choice do you have? You're going to have to keep trotting them back out there. Um, you know, you've been there with kickers that have missed or that are struggling. Greg Zerline went through it and straightened himself out and became a uh, really good kicker inside of 50 uh, and beyond. But uh, you don't have a choice in this situation. Um, bringing up those threes, I think, is important. Against Philadelphia, we said threes aren't going to beat them. This week, threes are at a premium. Yeah. Uh, any chance you get to score up there, you take it. Mm-hmm. Even if it comes at the risk of protecting field position and going conservative, just make sure you keep the points. Uh, you have to keep the pressure on Russell Wilson, keep the pressure on Seattle, and like you said, keep your defense fresh. It's going to be tough, no matter what. So if their kicker is missing, so be it. But there's no guarantee yours is going to hit them up there. It's going to be tough from any any part of the field up there. Seahawks trail by the, the Rams by one game in the NFC West. What would you guys make of the uh, end-of-game scuffles in Jacksonville? <laughs> were you surprised that there were no suspensions doled yeah, out? I, I was actually really surprised because this was this is a, this has been a um, – this has happened before. Right. Uh, you've seen it multiple times. You saw it in the Super Bowl when they lost to New England. Uh, there's other games where they've kind of got into it on the uh, the kneeling, the victory formation play. And so I was surprised, especially when a guy tries to go up in the stands uh, that he wasn't gone. But, you know, uh, I think for the Rams, it's you want to try to beat the Seahawks with, with that with their best out there. Right. Obviously, Cam's not out there. Richard Sherman's not out there. But the guys they, they have out there. You want to be. You don't want it to be an excuse. Well, oh, we didn't have uh, Richard uh, Sheldon Richardson, or we didn't have Michael Bennett. No, 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 no. All these guys are there, and you have to go out there and make plays and rise to this challenge. So, I, I think that's huge. You just have to again understand when you get in that formation, they have a history. So understand, like, protect yourself at all times. Well, you know, I, I watched that whole game in Jacksonville from start to finish, and that game was chippy from the start. Even Jimmy Graham got a personal foul for, for roughing uh, on a pick. He, oh, yeah. he shoved the guy out of bounds. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't call it on the guys who really did it because they didn't have jerseys on. So um, there was uh, trouble brewing between the right tackle, Ifedi, and whoever was lining up at left tackle. I think it was Fowler. They were getting into it. That game was chippy from the start. So... Uh, it's a six-point ball game, and this is what I, re- I try to remind people, man. That is a live snap in the National Football League. It's it's not up to me whether you want to go hard or not. If that center puts his hand on the football, I am allowed to come off the rock and, and try to knock the dog out of you. Now, as a sportsman, if you hold your hands up and say, that's it, game over, so be it. But it's still up to me. And remember, it's a one-score game. Yeah, I don't, think that, was the, yeah. I don't think that was the issue. The issue they had was, okay, he swiped at the ball, Blake took a knee, and then the, the, you're in the center's leg, so obviously he's doing his center thing. Like, it would, what old linemen do, they're trying to lean on you a little bit. But after that, he takes the guy's knee and tries to roll his knee. Like, mm-hmm. that yeah, had that's nothing. That's, yeah, that's out of the – again, that's the same – that's yeah, something that's that Bushley. you should have been suspended for that. But they didn't do it, and that's fine. But understand, in those situations, so when guys start firing off the ball – the O line fires off the ball and hits well, people. It's going to be an issue well, again. Well, the center to me, this is look, and I had to do it. I, I've been asked to do it. What Michael Bennett tried to do is swipe the ball out of the center's hand or try to disrupt the, the the snap. You can't do it. It's impossible. No matter how quick you are, you can't grab the snap. It's impossible. Right. Uh, but the center had a choice. You didn't have to bury his head into the deck. You knew what he was trying to do by how he lined up. Now, if you got upset or steamed, 
because he tried and you wanted to bury it, then I've got no sympathy for you. It doesn't mean that Michael Bennett should try to injure, injure you. Right. But you knew what you were doing. You knew what he was doing. Yeah. And you know what part of the game it was. So it, it just got away from everybody in that situation. So to me, there is no bad guy, no victim here. It's just football. It is what happened. It happens when games get chippy. The flags are going to be a key part of Sunday's game. The Rams are coming off 100-plus in penalty yardage. The Seahawks are the most penalized team, both in terms of number of penalties accepted and yardage. Whether or not that's the case at their place on Sunday with the stakes, we shall see. But penalties have impacted the course of both of these teams' seasons in a dramatic way. And what what, what sucks about it is you know whatever refs get this game, they're going to watch last week on both guys, and they're going to see that both teams were a little chippy and they're going to be, you know, more in a, inclined to throw flags mm-hmm. on things that aren't really well. Police your guys, plays. coaches. I mean, you know what's happening. You know the environment. Yeah, but but Demarco, I'm there, just I mean, there's a lot in this game. You, you like I'm this, just this saying, game is poli- a okay. So we're, we're your guys. We're right. talking right now, but John Randall is on TV, and it's the football life of John Randall. I remember listening to those things and seeing those those sound effects or whatever. Him, people talk all the time. Like I get it. Again, I, I have an issue when you're when we're talking back and forth and you flag me for talking when I just saw two guys choking each other out right before like that. That to me, they're, they're, you have to have certain rules with it. And I think that's one of the things the league is going to look into is not only is it the targeting rule you got to look at. What is a personal foul? Right. Is it unnecessary roughness? What are, what's unsportsmanlike? Like if me and you are talking and there's no hands being put on each other, that's fine. But if, if me and you were talking and I have my hand around your neck, you have your hand around right. mine, that, that should be an unsportsmanlike thing in that True. situation. Or if someone throws a punch. But talking, no. But if you're in the scrum, and this has happened, if you're in the scrum and it's happened and I got my hand on your throat, it's not a personal foul then. But if, if I've been warned, if we've all been warned, next word out of your mouths, I'm flagging you. So now i got to play mute. I can't, no, no. I, can't, I can't communicate. Next word, the next time somebody does anything, I'm flagging you. And then you do it, you got to flag the guy. But what I'm saying, but but this game, it's a passionate game. Like we can't take the passion out of football; otherwise, we'd be playing uh, tiddlywinks or hopscotch but, but or whatever you want to call it. But you've got to keep some control, or it'd be a brawl. That's what I'm saying. You've got to maintain that's why people, some that's why control. Only certain people can play it. I, I don't think Sunday's game will lack for passion. <laughs> yeah. I, we'll see tiddlywinks. We may see a, a few flags. We may see Monopoly. a personal foul. Uh, back to wrap things up. Our final segment includes inside the numbers as we continue with Rams All Access on ESPN LA. Russell Wilson in his career against the Rams, five losses, nine turnovers, sacked 42 times, and he's taken nearly 90 quarterback hits. Those are his worst numbers against any NFL opponent per NFL research. But an astute Paul Malin replies that Wilson's home stats against the Rams are 4-1, and one, <laughs> eight touchdowns, three interceptions. He points out it's a different game in Seattle. We will find out Ooh. if it is a different game in Seattle. One more soundbite here from Coach McVay. Let's get the latest in terms of his thoughts on the opposing quarterback. He's done a great job this year, and you know, you look at what he's able to do, what he's able to create on schedule, off schedule. Um, you know, he's he's one of the guys that's the talk for a possible MVP, and uh, he certainly has put that team on his back and, and done a great job of uh, competing week in and week out. And that's kind of been one of the things that's made him such a special player in this league for the last handful of years. All right, guys, final thoughts. What's it going to take to get a win at Seattle and put the Rams in the driver's seat for the NFC West crown? Uh, offensively, I feel like you have to run the ball. It may not be with Todd, but you got to get 35 carries in there. Uh, you're going to have to figure out a way to uh, find a way to get those type of carries, get that defense going sideline to sideline, and then be efficient uh, in the red zone. And being efficient in the red zone is, I, I get it, three three is a, a premium, but but you need that 
you need seven. Because, again, you've seen Russell Wilson make magic. They've been down 14, and they've been back in the game in three mm-hmm. minutes. And so you want to make sure you score in that situation. So be very efficient in the red zone. And, and what I mean by efficient is you know, no incompletions, a check down or touchdown, and then running the ball very well. Defensively, uh, it, it's very simple. Defensive line has to whoop this offensive line every play. Uh, from the starters to the backups to – Anybody that's out there, they have to go and get after him. You got to, you got to affect the quarterback. Um, and, and if you can do that, you have a great chance of winning. Uh, well, two things. Um, like you said, get after Russell Wilson. That's going to be hard. Um, when he drops back to pass, and this is up to guys like Lamarcus Joyner, and he does a pretty good job of this. You have to make Jimmy Graham afraid to extend his arms to receive the football. I mean that that means you're you're putting the fear of you know what into him. So that's number one. Uh, anything where he's heading towards the sideline, he's a different receiver than he is heading towards the middle. Uh, Doug Baldwin, you're going to have a long day, and you have to stay with him. So whoever is with Doug Baldwin, either in man or zone coverage, keep your eyes on him. Let Russell Wilson be handled by the guys up front because once you take your eyes off Baldwin. He plays the scramble drill even better than Russell Wilson. He'll get behind you in a blink and make you pay. Uh, offensively, I, I'm with Maurice. Stay with the run as long as you can, um, even when if it's not producing as much. At least keep the defense honest, and then you'll have a chance for your offense, your system to work. Todd Gurley's got to be a big part of this offense. Now, he may not get 100, but the more carries he gets, the more committed they will be to stopping the run the more opportunities you can get the ball down the seam or outside the numbers. So stay with it. And it's all all for naught if you turn the ball over. Yeah. That's it. End of story. Uh, you have to play clean football in that regard. Or, look, uh, Seattle has made mincemeat of teams that have turned it over less <laughs> than you have. So uh, turn it over, zero, uh, score points when you have have a chance, and do the best job you can on Russell Wilson. Rams are 9-0, and undefeated when they do not lose the turnover battle. They are 0-4 when they do lose it. Coach Fossil, have one for us. Give us another one. I mean, if it's a return. Six non-offensive touchdowns this year, more than the previous two seasons combined. Those are the things you, you I mean, you don't want to rely on those things, but miscellaneous touchdowns help a ton. Midweek, haven't seen the injury report yet. What's your gut tell you? Uh, of Seattle. How's I, this going to play out? I, I think they're both going to try to. Up or down? I think they're both going to try to play, um, both linebackers. Uh, no, no, no. I don't mean injuries. How's the game going to play out? What's your gut tell you? Without knowing who is going to be up, who's oh, going to be down. I feel like the Rams are going to win it. I feel like they've learned a lot. They, they're a much better team than they were early in the season. Um, and I feel like there's too many injuries on Seattle's uh, team to, to, to be able to do what they want to do. I say up for the very same reasons. And if it doesn't happen, then just hand the trophy to Russell Wilson. Hand the MVP trophy to him right then and there. You know he's going to be the one to do it mm-hmm. if Seattle's going to find a way to beat the Rams. Let's hope we don't have to get to that point and don't have to give away any MVP ballots either. All right, DeMarco, MJD, thank you very much. Safe travels to Seattle. We will see you up there and look forward to speaking with you on Sunday on ESPN LA.